Live from the Interaction Media Studio in Morgantown, this is a special edition of Positively West Virginia in our daily COVID-19 business briefing. For those of you joining us live on Facebook, welcome and thanks for tuning in. And for those of you listening on the podcast recording, thanks for joining us as well. We really appreciate you guys. Normally on this podcast, we interview West Virginia business leaders and share their success stories with you and thousands of others each week on iTunes, Spotify, and through our vast distribution network with wvnews.com. Since March of uh, this year, March 19th to be exact, we've been bringing you these daily special edition broadcasts, and we're focused specifically and intentionally around this basic question. What can West Virginia businesses do right now to navigate this current COVID-19 pandemic we're all facing? When we first started this podcast in 2017, our goal was pretty simple. It was to inspire and equip people in West Virginia with examples of real-life entrepreneurs and business owners who built their companies and organizations right here in West Virginia. We want to encourage people to start companies right here and build their companies and keep West Virginia strong. Of course, you can learn more about our mission at PositivelyWV.com. Every weekday, we're going live with these daily business briefings to help business owners and business leaders and even nonprofits with practical ideas to use right now. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by the Insurance Centers, State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. Today, I'm honored to have on the show Maylene Davis. She's the Chief Visionary Officer and Founding President at West Virginia Caring. Maylene is a highly regarded leader in the hospice and advanced illness care community, not only in West Virginia, but around the country as well. West Virginia Caring serves hospice patients and their families in 12 counties in West Virginia. Maylene, thank you for being on the show today. Good afternoon, Jim. It's nice to hear your voice and and to be on. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. First off, Maylene, before we dive into the subject matter, how are you doing personally right now? Uh, Your family, how are you guys getting along? All is well. I like that phrase. It's all is well. (laughs) These are times we lean into our faith. Mm. And this is Holy Week. Yes. And I've been really interested in the number of people that is being reported that are attending church online. Mm. Uh, And locally, our church was even seeing hundreds of people that we never see on Sunday are tuning in to church online. And there's a lot in our communities going on for Holy Week. People have figured it out. People have figured it out (laughs) to do this. And last night I was on a Google uh, Bible study, and it was really fun. I mean, it was it was interesting. Once we got everyone to put their phones on mute while they weren't speaking, then it really it really took off, and it was great. That's that's awesome. Yeah, and that is encouraging to see that. And I, I uh, two I think it was two Sundays ago. I, I was uh, kind of blown away by how many people, and some pastors for the first time. You could tell it was their first time. They were like, "Is this on? Am I? Can you guys hear me?" <laughs> it was kind of great, but uh, embracing the technology. So, I think that that is awesome. And thanks for that reminder too of Holy Week. This is a special time, and especially in the Christian faith. And and uh, for, for those of us around the world, uh, thinking about that's a good reminder. So, Maylene, I, I want to talk, yeah. talk a little bit about uh, West Virginia Caring. And 
uh, you know, you're highly regarded as as a leader, as, as I mentioned, and in, in, in an innovator in providing hospice care to uh, to patients and their families. What are some of the things that you guys are doing right now to uh, to keep your people safe, your patients safe? Uh, they're, they're in and out of homes, and uh, I know you're probably probably limited some somewhat on access to hospitals and things of that nature right now. But can you talk a little bit about how you guys are navigating this situation right now as a team? Well, certainly. Hospice care, as we define it here in West Virginia, is really takes place in people's homes, whether it's their own home, a friend's home, a daughter's home, a nursing home, assisted living. Mm. And so we have been designed to provide palliative care, which is really high quality end of life care to people. And it's a comprehensive kind of care. So we have a whole team. It's not just nurses, but it's social workers and chaplains mm. and bereavement people and uh, you know, physicians and nurses and volunteers. And then a whole host of support people who support those who are on the front line on a, on a daily basis. So it's a lot of organization that happens anyway. Can you imagine mm. going through an advanced illness, an end of life situation, and then add a pandemic on top of that? Mm, I was so we have been um, really for the last three weeks, we have been every day triaging, meeting, talking, um, assessing on a daily basis. What does the CDC say? What does our health department say? What what are the hospitals putting out? I loved uh, listening to David Goldberg yesterday. Mm. And of course, Clay Marsh is a dear friend of mine. And just I think. He's not just the czar of COVID, but I think he's just a czar. So he just does, <laughs> he really cares about the community and, and what's happening in yeah. Virginia. Mm. But we do have some excellent leaders, you know, Albert Wright at WVU and of course, Gordon Gee, you know, who has visited every county numerous times and, and since he's been back. And, but so we assess every single day and we are, um, we assess ourselves first. How are we doing? So we have a, a process in place where, we send in, is anyone symptomatic? Has anyone been traveling? We have a whole uh, series of questions that we have to um, email in every day before we go to work mm. to make sure we're, we're all good. Then we also are assessing our um, patients and their families. Is every, how is everyone feeling inside each of these um, places? Are, you know, again, same series of questions. Does anyone have a fever? Is anyone feeling ill? Uh, anyone in the family, because, you know, the one wonderful thing about hospice care is that it not just takes care of the patient, but the unit of care is the patient and their family. Mm-hmm. So that part. So we are really into families um, a lot. In fact, someone once told me that hospice care is 80 percent about the spiritual and psychosocial parts of the human person. And the 20% is the biological part. So once we get pain and symptoms out of control, then we are dealing with, um, you know, a family going through um, the end of life journey. And so we end up being coaches along the way. I said, if we could give every one of our staff people a whistle and, you know, you kind of act like a coach because you're encouraging people that you can't think of anything else that uh, they could be doing that you wouldn't do. And that that gives them some confidence in what they're doing, and we're reassuring people on a daily basis. So certainly during unprecedented times like this, mm. we are certainly encouraging and coaching people and answering lots and lots of questions from our staff 
on a daily basis and from uh, family members and and keep pe- most people uh, around the world when they think about end of life and where they describe they want to be. Most people actually want to be at home. So this comes in quite great for us right now because most of our patients want to stay at home. Yes. So our part of this and what we contribute is helping them to do that. So we've had certainly on a daily basis had to, you know, take the controls and kind of uh, triage things, decide whether, you know, to go or not go. Do people, you know, want us to come? Can we do things over the phone? We, as um, you and I talked earlier, have incorporated outbound proactive telephone calls mm-hmm. into our practice, which mm. is something that. I've studied for a while, but this has really been interesting to see it be back in, be put back into our practice. And so, again, it making people feel more confident. And um, back in 2014, when I first tried this, that's what we were going for: was that we really wanted people to feel confident about yes. what's happening in their home and taking care of their loved ones. And yeah. the uh, we did a study, and it showed that people really did feel more, com- you know, more comfortable. We've 911 calls went down and so forth. Mm-hmm. And one of our, our vice president for quality and compliance last week reported that interesting, the at night calls that we t- normally would get into our 800 number had decreased since mm-hmm. we started the outbound proactive calls. Wow. You know, that, that little bit of reassurance, right? If it's a phone call, it can make a giant difference. You know, and I kind of think of it uh, this way, you know, when when people are at the end of life, um, it's a dark time, right? And West Virginia Caring is oftentimes, most oftentimes, a ray of light in the darkness, darkest time of people's lives. You're able to come in and provide that spiritual uh, lift and, and be able to provide uh, comfort and, and um, services right there in their home. And that is a giant ray of light for, of hope for sure for these families and these patients. And I, I commend you for that. And I, utilizing the, the, uh, the teleconference and the, you know, being able to, to reach out to people in a proactive way, I think is a very, excellent way of showing that leadership and, and that compassion that West Virginia Caring is known for. I, I want to say just a, a, a second, too, not to not to take time, but um, I do want to give a shout out for West Virginia Caring. As um, some of the folks that are on this podcast know, I lost my father uh, back in early February, and I can only imagine what, uh, you know, when he was in a nursing home and West Virginia Caring was taking care of him and at the end of his life, and your nurses and support team were just magnificent and not only dealing with him, but my sister and I as well. Um, and, and I can't imagine, you know, going through an end of a life situation, your final days amongst this crisis right now of all things, you know, to have to be you know concerned about and dealing with. So I just uh, admire you and, and all of your, your team there at West Virginia Caring and the support that you, that you provide um, in the, in, in this time of need. So thank you for that. Well, thank you for, for that. Um, West Virginia Caring, or uh, we were uh, hospice care corporation for our first 30 years. Yeah. We were, um, they also cared for my dad. Okay. And so, and many aunts and uncles, yeah. uh, yeah. since then. So you know and what I'm talking I, about firsthand. I really, too. I really, I saw it, yeah. um, play out in my mom and dad's living room. And, and I just remember telling 
one of our aides at the time, Debbie, that I said, are, are you sure we do this in everybody's home? And said, <laughs> yes, we do this in everybody's home. And I had worked there 15 years at that point. Yeah. So, and I thought this really is the best thing next to sliced bread. And yeah. I, I wish, you know, of course we talk about it on a daily basis, but we just wish people would get it um, sooner mm -hmm. because that's probably the number one comment that we get uh, across the country, but certainly here is that we wish we would have known about your services sooner. Mm -hmm. We could have used this help months ago. So yeah, I, yeah. I think that, you That's know, it really is, yep. it's really great because it is, uh, once we get symptoms uh, under control and pain under control, and we have a fabulous medical director who's worked with us for a long time, Dr. Julia Ramberg. And, you know, we have, so we always have a physician accessible, plus the person has their attending physicians, of course. But once we get all those things under control, Family members and people, I mean, patients actually want to get up and get dressed and actually carry on, you know, normal life. I mean, people will go out in the car. They might drive places. They may, you know, visit, not right now, but state parks and, and so forth. But they can, you know, really enjoy their family. So it really is not um, such a dark time. It really can be a time of light where you still have an opportunity for growth and you can teach others that this is how you, I mean, no one escapes, right? Yes, exactly. I used to, exactly. used to have this saying that, um, you know, raise your hand if you want to go to heaven and everyone raises their hand. And I said, how many want to go today? <laughs> and and so you were like, Oh, you know, I, you know but I want to stick around one more day. Yeah, so exactly. Exactly. So. Well, that's, that's interesting. It's, 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 you know, I kind of talk about the team and, and the frontline workers and those nurses that, that um, you know, just a couple hours, actually just a, a couple of minutes after my dad passed, we all gathered around him and I wasn't able to be there, but the nurses were, you know, from West Virginia caring. And my sister and I gathered there at the, at the uh, nursing home in Preston County and, and um, were able to, uh, the nurses just prayed with us, you know, and that's just, it's something you wouldn't see normally. Like, and, and I don't know. It was just this almost a surreal thing, but very comforting there, even uh, even in my dad's passing. And I think about your team. And and I was talking with Cindy Cindy Woodyard. And uh, for those of if you don't know, Cindy is a vice president of public affairs and access for West Virginia Caring. She was telling me that uh, amongst your leadership team, there's like more than a hundred years of experience, which is fascinating. And and you guys have been doing this since 1983. And I think, you know, with um, I, I, I talk on a regular basis with Sonia Bailey Gibson, your CEO there, and you and Sonia make an incredible leadership team and what you're doing out there providing this end-of-life care uh, for um, West Virginia uh, residents and their families is extremely important. I got to ask you, Maylene, you know, you're an innovator, as I mentioned. Um, you talk about telecaring and teleconferencing and utilizing the telephone and reaching out to folks. What uh, what are some of the things that you think are going to, we're going to come out on the other end of this in terms of unleashing innovation uh, for West Virginia caring and and hospice patients uh, in the state of West Virginia? What are some of those things you think this is going to uh, lead us to? Well, I think that you know, 10 years ago, we, we talked about the baby boomers, you know, the first baby boomer was turning 65. It's probably more than that now, mm -hmm. but, and so I think the baby boomers are it, coming in waves. And so, you know, mm. um, I'm at the tail end of the baby boomers. And so it's, you know, there's this wave coming and the, each wave has uh, more access and utilizes technology more than the last wave. Yes. And, 
so like my mother will be 90 years old this year and she doesn't, she did have a cell phone at once, but we finally, you know, we, she didn't use it anymore, but you know, there are, that certainly there are people who are in their late eighties and nineties who use technology. I'm not saying that, but I think as the next wave, we always have to be on our game. What we did before won't work exactly mm-hmm. the same going forward. Yeah. And I think that this, what we're going to find out of this pandemic is that we will never be the same. We won't be the same organization. We won't be the same community. We won't be the same state or country mm. that, and, and quite honestly, we shouldn't be. We should, we should really, as history teaches us, we learn from the mistakes. And this is not the first uh, global crisis in, of you know, sorts. I mean, we've gone through other things, That's right. AIDS and SARS and H1N1. Mm-hmm. And my mom was going down through, you know, some of the things that she's seen, you know, from Pearl Harbor and Vietnam to, mm. you know, all the things that we've, we, that we've gone through. And we always come through. And um, by sticking together, by not being afraid, mm. um, you know, sometimes the fear itself is worse than, you know, probably the virus. <laughs> and so there's, that's with, there's a lot which, of truth to that for sure. And, and uh, you know, hence the uh, please only take one at all the grocery stores and things <laughs> like that. But I think that, you know, what we will never be the same. And so I think what we're learning as an organization is that, you know, maybe some of the um, reaching out proactively to calm fears. Um, typically hospice is, um, after the office closes there, you know, we're available 24 hours mm-hmm. a day. Mm-hmm. So that, and what that means, how most hospices accomplish that is that through an after hours telephone based support mm-hmm. where inbound calls are, you know, received and then fielded by hospice staff. And typically, um, those, calls are used to either request assistance with symptom control or report a death, of course, or even request a home visit. So I think what we find is that by outbound calling, now I will tell you that, you know, we, we don't do anything. Uh, we do everything robustly at West Virginia Caring. We're not one of those hospices that is very shy about it. So of course, I think the first week that each patient was getting like four or five phone calls a day, but we, we got organized quickly because they were like, no more phone calls, you know, but mm-hmm. I think, you know, now we, um, we are triaging every day, like who's getting a phone call, who's calling and how are we doing that? But what we're finding again is this confidence level that we want people to have. We don't want them to be afraid when we're not there. And there's a lot of time, you know, we're not there. We don't stay in your home all day long and all night routinely. So I think that, you know, that's one of the things that, that we'll learn from this. I think that just using Zoom and Microsoft Teams and, you know, Google and, and all of these things really is something that we can do because, you know, in West Virginia, you can drive for, there's a lot of space between the houses. And of course, what I would love to see, um, and has always been my dream is to be able to put our physician in one place and then have a, uh, a perhaps a, an aide in, you know, 13 houses, um, scheduled throughout the morning or half a day, let's say, mm. and then, then, then everybody gets an, a physician visit, but, mm. you know, up till now, um, really, uh, Medicare and insurances have not paid for that. Mm. So hopefully out of this, one thing we'll learn as a country is that tele, what well, I call it ours, what we do is tele hospice, but telehealth 
really mm-hmm. would be graced even more yeah. because people really, you know, some people just really would rather stay in their home. We don't need to, you know, sit in physician offices for hours upon time waiting for your physician. And mm-hmm. it's, it's people are becoming um, people, the next wave of baby boomers are going to be less tolerant of waiting and things like that. I think we're, you know, we end up being, a, you know, an impatient people. Although I think through this pandemic, we've learned to return to simplicity <laughs> no and doubt. slowing yeah, down. Absolutely. And, yep. and so forth. Yeah. Well, I think about that too, you know, because um, even as we come out of this down the road, however, however many days that's going to be, and I'm, I'm not going to predict that, but, you know, we're talking about 10 or 11 more days until we reach the peak and then we've got to come down off the peak. And then how, how long is it going to be until people feel comfortable going back out into the public, you know, and doing those things, you know, I'm sure there'll be early adopters down the road here, you know, when the next month or so or whatever, they're going to go out and they're going to make their way back to the churches and places of worship like we just talked about. Uh, But there's going to be others that are saying, well, not so fast, you know. So I think that you're onto something there really big. And if we can get, you know, the entire um, federal system and the payor system, uh, you know, such as uh, Medicare, Medicaid, stepping up to embrace this technology, too, I think that's going to be a a big thing. At least I think that's what, what I'm hearing you say. I do. I think that people will really analyze this, mm. what we learn from this, and we need to. And if we don't, that would be a huge error. Yeah. But I, I think I that we, we we must do that, and to feel like, and two, you know, what did we have? What were we? What were we really not prepared for? And and to make you know assignments that way, and you know, prioritize in a different way than we ever have before. Yeah. You know, I think you make a strong point, Jim, in that this return to normalcy and what the new norm that's, you know, the Mm. phraseology people are using, but I was listening to the news last night and they were reporting that in China, people have started flocking back to these popular tourist places and Mm -hmm. so forth. And the health departments are warning them, you know, don't do that. You know, this is, we're not over this yet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we need to get guidance. I mean, the governor was on a little bit ago and I think that's been very helpful to, you know, and Clay Marsh puts information out all the time, which is, which is great. And, and then even the things that your um, people that you've had here on this podcast have offered up, I think are, are great. I think that, you know, there are a lot of people hurting. Not everyone can just, you know, make an income from working from home, Mm -hmm. um, we have our frontline people out all the time. We did videos on how to even put on the mask because, you know, you, you could go through a lot of hospice care and not have to ever wear a mask with somebody and, and into someone's home. It's not a common thing to happen. And so everyone is wearing a mask in and when we go in and so they'll, I'm not saying that's going to continue forever, but I do think that not one of us will go to the gas station ever again and not think about washing our hands, you know, maybe afterwards and so forth like that. And yeah, I, I agree. think going forward, everyone will be washing their hands a lot more and, and thinking about things like that. Absolutely. Uh, so, Maylene, uh, from, a, from a practical standpoint, okay, somebody in their family in West Virginia, and especially in those uh, counties that you serve, those kind of the north central counties uh, of West Virginia. Uh, if somebody has a family member that um, is going through a tough time right now and they don't know exactly what to do, what what's what are some things they could be looking out for? Maybe some signs of a loved one who uh, may be uh, dealing with some health issues, uh, maybe thinking that they might be a candidate for hospice. You, you mentioned, you know, calling us sooner. And I, I'm a 
I'm a giant believer in that. It, just a couple of more weeks with a loved one can make a giant difference. So making that call sooner. But what are some things that people could be paying attention to out there for maybe uh, a loved one and their family that's not doing so well right now? Well, most of our patients that have um, cancer, mm. and well, and even non-cancer patients, yep. I think that as you see someone's functional level changing and that there is pain or there are symptoms out of control. I think that one of the things that what's wonderful about our organization is that we will do an evaluation. We will, we will do a free evaluation, come out and give you our opinion. Our social workers are versed and they've been with us. Uh, Donna Davis has been with our organization for a long time. And these people know all the community resources. Yesterday I was on the phone with a, um, a doctor from Morgantown or from Fairmont uh, asking about care for her mom who's 80, um, who's just now starting to take chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And so, but needing still some things just to tie them over until, you know, they can get to regular doctor's appointments and things like that. She's still receiving her chemotherapy and, and they're you know going to be able to do that. But I think people do have questions. And so there are many, you know, there are home health agencies, there's hospitals, but you could call our 1-800-350-1161 number anytime. Mm. And, and if the person who answers cannot answer the question, then they will escalate the call mm. to one of our nurses who will be able to answer those questions and get their answer back to folks. Um, you know, your senior centers for older folks, you know, have a lot of information and we work very closely with the senior centers. Our health departments in each of our 12 counties have just been wonderful to us. Our vice president for clinical services, Mm. Tina, has said that, you know, she has been able to receive a lot of support for personal protective equipment and so forth. But I think that anytime there's a question, don't wait, just call. And there are people who will come out and give you a, an opinion about what, you know, whether, this is something you should call your doctor. You know that we are in West Virginians. We are uh, tough stock, and we wait mm. uh, to go to the doctors. We let we take you know pain. We take pain sometimes too lightly. So I yeah. think that making sure that you just, if something doesn't go away after a day or two or three, or someone is just seemingly going downhill, they're not eating, yeah. um, they're not getting out of bed like they used to, mm. things like that then probably there's a reason for that, and we need to explore that further. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I can only, just listening to you talk about that, I can only imagine that, especially now with this social distancing, people may be reluctant to go see mom or, or dad. Uh, just they don't want to necessarily bring that risk into the into the home. But maybe they're noticing something on the phone, maybe a little difference in their voice or something of that nature. I think it's really important for for folks to be paying attention to their uh, to their uh, their at risk uh, friends and neighbors and and family members. I think that's uh, extremely important. So, yeah, this is a great time to care for your neighbors. Yes, and yes. I've been visiting my mom. My thank goodness we've had. Uh, the Lord's given us so many nice days because yeah. uh, we've been able to, my sister puts out a text and says, Hey everybody, mom will be outside at three o'clock <laughs> and then we can, you know, I'll go down and, and visit with her. And, and so uh, it's been, 
she keeps one when she goes back inside she says come on in i'm like no we're gonna stand out here and exactly. talk to you through the screen but yeah exactly well that's 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 really that's really neat and like you said we've been blessed with some really nice weather here lately and hopefully that's going to continue as we go into april our guest once again today is maylene davis she's the chief visionary officer and founding president at west virginia caring and they're a um, non-profit hospice uh, and counseling advanced illness care organization based in West Virginia. Maylene's been sharing the story of how they're adapting to these changing times and leading uh, not only their patients, but the patient's families through these, these trying times. Maylene, as we wrap up our time here today, what's the best way for people to learn more about you personally and, and West Virginia Caring and perhaps even get in touch with you? Well, certainly our website is probably the best place. And right now we have a lot of information there. We have teleconference um, support groups because we have bereavement, you know, people, families that are grieving that um, because they've had lost loved ones. And so we have a, a bereavement uh, telephonic support groups that are, that are being set up this month that will run through June. And so what people, those are open to the community as well. So I think our, our website um, is a good way to, to do that. And all the phone numbers are listed yeah. um, on there. Uh, my email is mdavis at wvcaring.org. That's great. We'll uh, we'll make sure we have links to all that in the show notes section as well. Maylene, one thing that I I, I wanted to ask you as we wrap up is, you know, we talked about um, the different variety of services and innovation that that, uh, that West Virginia Caring has brought, especially yourself as the chief visionary office for West Virginia Caring. Can you speak just for a few minutes about the IPU uh, and there in, in Randolph County and Elkins and yes. just a little bit of what you're doing there. Yeah, we um, started an inpatient unit in 2004. We started building it in um, our Randolph County service area mm. and it was the first inpatient hospice center in the North Central area. And so we've, um, for through various reasons through 2016, we decided, made it a business decision to not operate that there anymore, but operate at a different location through the hospital in uh, Morgantown. And so what we did, we've, we've always been thinking about what, you know, what we could do with that space. And probably three months ago, we took an engineer through and said, you know, what should we do with this? And probably three weeks ago, we got a call from Davis Health System, Steve um, Johnson there, and said, you know, if we need to use that inpatient unit for an alternative care site, would you be open to that? Mm. And, you know, we quickly assembled as a team and decided that we wanted to reopen it. So we are very close. Um, the state uh, office for facility licensure and certification reacted so quickly, 24 hours, really, wow. and came and surveyed it. We had no deficiencies in the area. So our plan is to reopen that because it, during times like this, we need to reserve all of our critical health care resources, yes. uh, particularly personnel, to care for the greatest need patients and to expand those resources. West Virginia Caring decided to open it up back in Elkins. And so it's um, it's one of those things that we, we just feel like it's a God thing. You know, yeah, I, absolutely. That's what we're supposed to do. Yeah, that's great, and thanks for providing that information too. I think that's uh, that's pretty amazing what you're what you're doing there. And, and again, 
assessing what you have and trying to help people. That's what we've, we've been on this mission of. I've tried to preach that here the last several weeks. That's to me is leadership and and essentially what we're trying to do is you know assess what we all have, figure out how we can help each other, and that uh, we'll be able to pull each other through this. So thank you for for doing that and giving us an update, Maylene. I just want to thank you once again for sharing uh, a really uh, valuable information that you brought to the table today and a little behind the curtain look at at what you're doing there at West Virginia Caring to help navigate the current situation that we're in. And I really appreciate West Virginia Caring, you, Sonia Bailey Gibson, and the whole team at West Virginia Caring. I think you guys are doing a, an amazing job. Thank you so much, Jim. Thanks for your help. And everyone, please stay encouraged. That's the main thing. Yes. Yes. Amen. Especially during Holy Week that we're in. That's right. I really appreciated you mentioning that too. Again, Maylene, thanks uh, for being on the show. Folks, that's it for today's Positively West Virginia Daily COVID-19 Business Briefing. My hope is that we some way brought you valuable insight that you can use in your business or your nonprofit. Uh, West Virginia Caring is a nonprofit, and I think that's uh, something that's really important to shed the light on uh, what these folks are doing out there in the communities to uh, get us through these situations as well. I want to take a minute to thank our sponsors for Positively West Virginia, and they are Insurance Centers, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. We'll be coming to you live every weekday as this pandemic situation continues with these daily business briefings. On behalf of our entire Positively West Virginia team, I'm your host, Jim Matuga. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay positive, West Virginia.